0: Let us pray. Father, we do ask that you would give us love for one another in your church, that you would bring unity among us because of it and through it, and that you would open your word this morning so that we might find unity in the body for the sake of the world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, be seated. That might have been the shortest gospel reading I have ever done here at the Church of the Holy Cross. I mean, two verses. It's more like calisthenics when I ask you to stand up this morning. Up, down, up, down. Friends, tomorrow begins our annual clergy conference with Bishop Lawrence out at Camp St. Christopher tomorrow afternoon, and that's mostly a three-day retreat to connect relationally among the clergy of the diocese, to be challenged and taught and encouraged spiritually and biblically, Uh, and it is a good thing for all of your clergy and I hope you'll pray for us as we go out there that we would be refreshed and encouraged as we gather now it's not just about refreshment it's also about friendly competition and it is the scene of our my annual foray into the sport of basketball now just by looking at me you can imagine that I have a lot in common with all the basketball greats and everybody wants me on their team But looking at me, you would actually not think that at all, would you? So nevertheless, despite my objections year over year, my friends invite me to play basketball on Tuesday afternoon, saying kind things like, you, Trevor, have something to offer on the basketball court. And friends, they are right. I do have something to offer on the basketball court. I specialize in one thing, and that thing is fouling people. I'm really good at it. Truly, I can leave you bruised and you didn't even know I was there. That is what I have to offer to the team. A few years ago, I was reading a book. We, The clergy were reading a book on discipleship that was titled, Church is a Team Sport. And throughout the book, the author belabored this metaphor, that the church is akin to a team. The church is not that preschool jingle that you might have remembered, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, and what? There's all the people, right? No, the church is the group of people, a group of people like you and me who are marked by faith in Christ, given by faith God's Holy Spirit, living together in a community And fulfilling his purpose. We are a people who wear the same uniform. We clothe ourselves in Christ and work together as Christians in the world. This morning, we begin a series of sermons called We Are the Church, and we begin by asking the question, what is it? What is the church, and what is yours and my part in it? And so, as you take out your Scripture sheet and look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians there, let me set the stage for you. Paul is writing to the church that he established, and his principal concern is this, is that they would live together and work together in unity. See, two errors had creeped into the church in Corinth. One marked, one error was marked by arrogance, and the other error was marked by perceived unimportance. And what it did was it affected both the Corinthians, they both affected the Corinthians' ability to give the gospel of grace, to share it with the world. And so in Corinth, these two issues and errors centered on spiritual gifts and power, And some people said that their gifts were more important. And in so doing, we're belittling the people with lesser gifts, less public, less uh, seemingly significant, less uh, dramatic gifts. Now, it's not difficult, I think, for you and I to imagine what that makes you feel like because I'm certain that every one of you has at some point, just like me, experienced being put down and belittled in place, right? Where somebody says that you don't have what it takes to do whatever it is you're trying to do. And so, it was creating in the church disunity where God's love is supposed to create unity. See, here at Holy Cross, as a church that seeks to follow Jesus, to be formed by him, and to fulfill his mission, as a church of disciples making disciples, Paul's message in 1 Corinthians 12 is vital for our understanding of our own individual roles and the importance of them in the church, in God's big mission. Because you and I probably have a tendency to say things like this. I don't really have any skill or gift to offer. Sometimes when we are feeling particularly spiritual, we use fancy words like, that's not my calling. Or I don't pretend to be as important as you. We have some sense of humility, sometimes false, sometimes real. We might say that as when we're speaking to the pastor or a life group leader or somebody on the music team or somebody who is doing some outward ministry. I don't really have a ministry, and that's okay with me, sometimes people say. But is that really okay? There was a famous Welsh preacher named Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he wrote this, Men and women no longer exercise in sport as they used to. Instead, people tend to sit in crowds and just watch other people play. And I fear that the tendency is even, even presenting itself in the church. More and more, we see people are just sitting back in crowds while one or two people are expected to do everything. Now that, of course, is a complete denial of the New Testament doctrine of the church as the body of Christ, where every single member has a responsibility and has a function and matters. Friends, with this challenge, that the Christian life is not one for you to observe, but instead to participate in, as one participates in a playing of a sport. With this observation, we turn from the metaphor of sport, right, to the metaphor of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, where he tells them, and he tells us today, that we are part of the body of Christ. Now, at the very beginning of the letter, way back in chapter 1, which we didn't print because that would take two or three dozen pieces of paper in front of you, uh, when addressing the church, this is what Paul says. He says two things about the church. He says the church is a collection of those people sanctified in Christ. Basically, that if you have faith in Christ today, if he's forgiven your sins and made you clean, He's given you His righteousness, you are a part of the church and therefore you are part of his body. He goes on to say that those sanctified in Christ are called to be saints together. Say the word together. There you go, together. The operative word here is together. So the church is a group of people who've been forgiven by Jesus and called to live together in community. Now, contrary to my nursery song about the church, where here's the church and here's the steeple, it's all the focus is the sentence is on the building. The church is a people, not a place. And you can see this in our vision of Holy Cross. If you look at the very beginning of this uh, of our vision, Holy Cross is a community living for Christ. Holy Cross is not an institution. Holy Cross is not a a group of buildings. Holy Cross is a community. And Paul's metaphor to explain our unity with each other is the metaphor of the body. If you look down at verse 27, Paul writes this. He says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He says so emphatically. It's more like, you are the body. You are the body. You are the body. That's what he's saying. You are the body of Christ. His emphatic exclamation is that you are God's body, Christ's body in the world. And individually, you are members of it. So the first part of the sentence is you, plural, you, you. Y'all, or for Southerners, all y'all, right? All y'all are make up the body. But each of you are also individually members of it, or individually parts of it. If you look back at verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. What is the church? Being in Christ is like being a part of the body. You may be a specific part with a specific purpose, but you are completely and fully part of the body. And in order for you to live, and in order for you to function, you have to remain a part of the body, right? And that is what God does. It is his work. And you see it in verse 13. Paul goes on, for in one spirit, you were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Basically, the Holy Spirit, which is given to you in faith, which is uh, represented and affirmed in your baptism is the uniting factor of all believers, that if you are in Christ today, God's promise is that His Holy Spirit is going to be living right here in you, in your brain, in your heart, in your body, in your hands, in your feet. All the things that you do are, in, are, are filled with His Holy Spirit. It is the work of God, uniting you, not just to Him, but uniting you, all of us together. God makes you a part of his body. And being a part of the body, friends, is a good thing. It's important. First of all, it's important because it's Jesus' continuing presence in the world. He's got a purpose for you to be living in the world for him. Think about it. Wherever Jesus went, he brought the kingdom of God throughout the gospel. And it's not just symbolism. It's just not metaphor or analogy here, but you and I as the church collectively, wherever we go, we bring the kingdom because we are His body. See how important that is? And it makes it very important for you and me as well. Whether you are Jew or Greek, slave or free, whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, whether you are a public speaker or an encourager in private. Whether you have fancy public gifts or quiet prayerful gifts, you are important. You are essential to the body. See, this is how Paul gets at the two errors that were entering into the church in Corinth. Remember, the, the two errors were those who thought too much of their spiritual gifts and their abilities and those who thought too little, right? Those were the two errors. But Paul's analogy is is that everybody, each one with the gifts that God has given you, are essential to the body's life. He goes on beginning at verse 14. He says, a body consists of many members, and that's the truth of the church as well. We have many parts in the church, and every one of you, each part is important. Why? Because your role, your gifting, your place in the body is God-given. Hear this. You, put your hand on your chest for a second. Think about you me, right? This is what Paul writes. God arranged you within the body in verse 18. God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, you, he chose and gifted particularly. Oh, how marvelous is this, friends? How incredible is this? You have a distinctive gift, a distinctive purpose to function as part of God's body. And the image is this, is that if you were not to function, the body would cease to exist. Now, God is bigger than the analogy, right? All analogies eventually fall down. But just think about this for a second. If all of a sudden my heart were to say, you know what? I'm tired of doing all this pumping of the blood. That stomach down there does nothing. And I do everything. I'm done. I quit. What happens? The heart itself will die, right? The whole body will die. What happens if the stomach stops functioning? I also die, right? No nutrients, no food. What happens if my hand can no longer feed my mouth and my esophagus can no longer put the food in the stomach? The body dies, right? That's the image of the importance of each one of us, is that the body needs all the parts to function. The body needs all the parts to function. So it is with Christ. So it is with you. God, by his spirit, made you a part of his body, and every part has a distinctive function, and every part is necessary. So necessary that to the church and the community, one part cannot say to themselves, as Paul writes in verse 15, well, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. We don't get to choose that. Whatever your gift, God gave it to you for the glory of His name, or because I am not whatever. I cannot pray eloquently, or I cannot public speak, or I cannot. I don't know all the stuff about the Bible, or whatever. That must mean that I'm not part of the body. Friends, you are the body, part of the body. You are the body, and you are important. Likewise, the body cannot. The eye cannot say to the hand. I don't need you. The physical body needs each part to function for our survival, and Christ's need, body needs every part to function, and to survive, each part in Christ. Friends, this is marvelous. It is marvelous news that God has given you a purpose. It is marvelous news. You are important to the body of Christ. I want you to sit back for a moment. I know you're all sitting back. Close your eyes. Take this in. Just listen to these, word, these words. You have something to offer to Jesus. Don't think about the person next to you or the comparison that is natural in the human life. You have something to offer Jesus. He has given you a purpose. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Are you using that gift? Would you like to use it more? You can open your eyes. Friends, the body needs your gift. Not in some, well, we do more ministry if you people would just get out of the pew to be more effective. That would be what it is. Not that way, but in the we kind of can't do it at all without you kind of way. That's the image that Paul gives us of the body. Every person essential to the church, the people of God, fulfilling its mission. So I have three questions for you this morning. First, it's for you to think about as you go, and I invite you to pray about it, think about it, to ask other people about it. You can ask me if you want to just sit down and have coffee and go, hey, I don't know what this is. But do you recognize how important your gifts are to the church, to the community? Question number one. Question number two, do you know what your gifts are? What has God gifted you as? That's question number two. Are you using them? If you answer no or unsure about any of these, you might go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to show you how important you are. Ask him to show you what his gifts are that he's given you and ask him to help you use them. There are going to be prayer ministers at the back this morning. I encourage you to go back there and they can just pray over you. God, would you reveal and release this person, this man or this woman's gift? Just line up, pray over that, have them pray. Ask the Lord what your gifts are. Friends, you're part of a body. You're on a team. Go out there and do your part. Me on Tuesday, I'm gonna go out there and foul somebody. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord, thank you for making us a part of your body and giving us each gift for your purpose to be used in and through this community of the church. Reveal in each one of us our giftings. And I pray that you would release each one in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us a heart and a will to use our gifts, big or small, public or private, in your body and for your glory. Amen.